0: The Bible reading this morning comes from the Gospel of John in the New Testament, chapter 12, verse 20 to 36. Now there were some Greeks among those who went up to worship at the festival. They came to Philip, who was from Bethsaida in Galilee, with a request. Sir, they said, we would like to see Jesus. Philip went to tell Andrew. Andrew and Philip, in turn, told Jesus, Whoever serves me must follow me, and where I am, my servant also will be. My Father will honour the one who serves me. Now my soul is troubled, and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour? No, it was for this very reason I came to this hour. Father, glorify your name. Then a voice came from heaven. I have glorified it, and will glorify it again. The crowd that was there and heard it said it had thundered. Others said an angel had spoken to him. Jesus said, This voice was for your benefit, not mine. Now is the time for judgment on this world. Now the prince of this world will be driven out, and I, when I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all people to myself. He said this to show the kind of death he was going to die. The crowd spoke up, We have heard from the law that the Messiah will remain forever. So how can you say the Son of Man must be lifted up? Who is this Son of Man? Then Jesus told them, You are going to have the light just a little while longer. Walk while you have the light, before darkness overtakes you. Whoever walks in the dark does not know where they are going. Believe in the light while you have the light, so that you may become children of light. When he had finished speaking, Jesus left and hid himself from them.
1: Well, good morning, everyone. Some times come in life that fundamentally change your life forever afterwards. Some of these times and events you share in common with most other people. The day you start working after you graduate from uni, or maybe the day you're married and no longer just an individual, or the day when your first child is born. And of course, when this pandemic started, we all, our lives were impacted and haven't been the same since. But then there are also those events in your life that are unique to you and not everyone else experiences it in the same way, but your life is still changed forever. For me, one of these events is when I got ordained. This has now totally changed how I interact with strangers. Before I got ordained, when someone asked me, what do you do? I could get away with vague answers like I'm a student or I work with young people and so I didn't have to bring in religion which is always great to get a conversation going. (laughs) But ever since I've been ordained I can't really get away from it anymore. One time in the city I was having lunch at a Japanese restaurant and because I was by myself I sat at the sushi bar and this lovely woman in her 60s sat next to me and was very chatty, and we just talked about what we'd been doing that day and our love for Japanese food, and then she asked me, so what do you do? And as I usually answer, I said, I'm an Anglican priest, and her face just dropped, and without skipping a beat, she said, you've lost me. We talked for a bit uh, while longer, but it was just awkward and strained, and weird from then on. Well of course there also are those events and times in your life that are unique to you but that also make your life worse. At the parish of Ben where I work I think of some of the elderly ladies who tell me that their life has changed ever since their spouse developed Alzheimer's or ever since their husband was placed into care. And for me, I think of the time where my father died very suddenly and unexpectedly. Before then, I was very happy to be living here in Australia. I never really thought about my mom's future or even my own mortality, really. But ever since my father died, I often get homesick. I often worry for my mom. And death is just more generally on my mind. Maybe for you in this category of unique events, you might also mention a death, or maybe a divorce, or the diagnosis of an illness, or something else. Well, all of us, we experience times and moments where everything changes, And life never is the same again. And in our gospel passage for this morning, Jesus reveals that the time has come for him to be glorified. The moment has arrived that will fundamentally change everything to come. Well, our passage picks up right after Jesus arrives in Jerusalem in great glory. As you heard last week, he rode on the donkey like a royal and was ushered into the city by the cheers and celebration of the crowds. And we have to remember that the time was Passover, the high festival of the Jewish year. When you think of the scene in our gospel, think of Swanson Street during the AFL grand final parade before social distancing was a thing. Streets packed tightly with crowds, expecting a great victory to come. In the first century, people from all over the world would travel to Jerusalem during Passover to be part of the feast, to commemorate the event when God freed Israel from slavery. And among the crowds are some Greeks who find the disciple Philip and tell him, Sir, we would like to see Jesus. And so Philip finds Andrew, and together they go to Jesus and tell him. And his reply, the hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. In John's Gospel, this is a dramatic announcement. In the story, we have over and over again heard reference to this mysterious hour without really knowing what it referred to. Early on in chapter two at the wedding of Cana, after the wine ran out and the mother of Jesus told him about it, he answered her, why do you involve me? My hour has not yet come. And later on when Jesus meets the Samaritan woman at the well, he tells her, the hour is coming when you will worship the father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. And then later again, When Jesus is in Jerusalem at the Feast of Tabernacles and he upsets the crowds, we are told that they wanted to arrest him but couldn't because his hour had not yet come. But now, after Jesus has entered Jerusalem in great victory, with the whole world there wanting to see him during this festival of Passover, the hour has come for him to be glorified. And life will never be the same again. And it makes sense that this hour has come now at this point. The crowds cheer and welcome him and want to see him. It is the grand final parade where the people are there to see their man win and bring home the trophy. But glory for Jesus means something else. He tells Andrew and Philip, very truly I tell you, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. Strangely, right after talk about glory and victory and this triumphal parade, Jesus is now talking about death. His point is that a seed, a kernel of wheat or a grain can only produce fruit when it dies. A seed has to be buried in the ground, and if it isn't, then it will not produce a crop. For there to be results, death has to happen. And Jesus then goes on to say that this is true for anyone who wants to be his follower. Anyone who loves their life will lose it, while anyone who hates their life in this world will keep it for eternal life. Jesus isn't saying that we have to hate our lives full stop, but that we have to hate our lives in this world. And in John, the world stands just for anything that is in the place of Jesus. Whether it's the desires for fame and popularity, the desires to be good with the crowd, the desire to do whatever you please, whatever else it is, anything and everything that stands in contradiction to him. But the real point he's making is not just that we are to turn away from the world, but that we are to turn towards him and embrace him first. As he goes on to say, Whoever serves me must follow me, and where I am, my servant also will be. Just like a seed, we must die to ourselves and follow the Lord. He tells us to imitate his life as our own, doing what he did, and putting to death anything and everything within us that stands in the way. And this is not something that is easy. I'm still getting to know most of you, but I'm sure that for anyone who has been a Christian long enough, there have come times where you had to die to yourself. Maybe certain career paths were closed because you couldn't compromise on your values. Maybe some friendships died and family relationships are strained because now you are the religious one. Or maybe for some of you, dating has become really hard because all of a sudden you're looking for a Christian and there just aren't many viable ones. And even besides these big things, just following Jesus in everyday life as you rub shoulders with others is difficult as well. When someone wrongs you or is a jerk to you, A small death has to happen for you to really forgive them. Not giving into hatred and bitterness, when the world tells you you have every right to hate that person, is really difficult. Jesus loved us unto death, and following him and his his example will mean that we will have to die many, many times. But it's not the end of the story. After all, Jesus brings good news. And the good news is that whenever a seed dies, it bears much fruit. The good news is that the gospel reverses the order of the world, so that glory comes after shame, victory after defeat, and eternal life after death. In dying to ourselves, We become one with Jesus, we imitate his example, and he promises that we will be honored by the Father. And this is, again, good news for us because most of us go through life not being recognized or honored by others. Sure, your company or employer might recognize you if you do good and perform well for the company. And the city council and the commonwealth might recognize you for your contributions to the community. But no one will recognize that one time you forgave that person who, in a road rage, abused you. No one will recognize that difficult decision you had to make and say no to a career path forward. And no one will recognize that time where you had to kill a relationship. No one except the Father in heaven. By dying to ourselves, we live for eternity now. And we enjoy friendship with God. And when this world passes away, he will raise us up and honor us just as he did with Christ. These demands that Jesus puts upon us are not unreasonable demands they're not commands that he gives without following them himself as we heard his hour has come and it's time for his life to be changed forever and it's not easy for him as he says now my soul is troubled and what shall i say father save me from this hour no it was for this very reason i came to this hour and so jesus prays father glorify your name. And this clearly is a good prayer that Jesus prays because it immediately gets a response from God. Then a voice came from heaven, I have glorified it and I will glorify it again. This is the first and only time that we hear the Father speak throughout the whole gospel. And the Father speaks to give divine confirmation that the hour has come. It's a bit like when you want to transfer a large amount of money via your phone's banking app. And then it asks you for voice confirmation, whether you really want this to happen, and then you speak. And in speaking, you confirm that it is truly so. And so the Father speaks for the sake of the crowds, To reveal to them that the hour has come and Jesus will be glorified. And then Jesus goes on to speak of being lifted up. And again, if we think about the crowds and the glory and the honor, when we hear being lifted up, we think again of something amazing about to happen. After all, at the Olympics, the winner is lifted up to the highest part of the podium. And after the AFL Grand Final, the winners are lifted up to every front page of every newspaper in this country. And if you succeed in your career and you bring in a lot of money, then you'll be lifted up and promoted to the top of the corporate ladder. But again, for Jesus, this lifting up and this glory is strangely not what we think it would be. We heard before of the seed that must be buried in the earth. And when Jesus talks about being lifted up, he's actually talking about this seed. Just as the seed was buried in the earth, so he will be lifted up from the earth. And John even adds that comment, indicating by what kind of death he would die when he says this. The point Jesus is making is that He will not die a natural death, growing old and eventually being buried in the ground like a seed. Unlike any seed, unlike any of us, Jesus' death will involve being lifted up from the earth, placed not on a podium or a throne, but nailed like a slave to the cross. But just as the death of a seed brings a crop, so again the lifting up will bring about good fruit. As he says, when I am lifted up from the earth, I will draw all people to myself. The crowd have sort of been in the background while Jesus has been speaking, but at this point they come again into the story. They're not concerned with how Jesus will draw all people to himself, and what that really means. The scandalous thing for them, what is really confusing is how the Messiah, God's chosen and glorious King, will die in shame. As they ask, how can you say the Son of Man must be lifted up? What is this Son of Man? They wonder, how, how is it good news if the king will be crucified? Why is it worth celebrating and cheering for Jesus now if it's going to end up in defeat? And how on earth is God's power revealed in a death upon a cross? And this sort of question that the crowd asks is just as relevant for Melburnians today. I think most people today would wonder, what on earth does my life have to do with a crucified Jew from 2000 years ago? Why should I follow the example of a man that will require that I will die daily to myself? And why can't we play the footy on a day that just happens to be Good Friday when this man supposedly died? Perhaps we all feel the force of these questions, of these sorts of questions, and we might ourselves sometimes ask them, what on earth do I have to do with this story? And yet, here we are on a Sunday morning, on a cold winter day, when we could be at home watching insiders, could be out on the fields, we are here concerned with this man, Jesus. And so it really is the power of God. It really is the drawing of Jesus that we find ourselves occupied with him. And not just with the man Jesus, but also with the cross. And this is good news for us as we go through this difficult pandemic season and as we suffer. It is good news that Jesus is the one that draws us. Alongside the many things that are suffering within us during this season, whether it's our mental health or our finances or our relationships, I wouldn't be surprised if it's also your faith that you find is suffering. Maybe you have doubts, or maybe God seems distant, or you just lack the energy to pray and read the scriptures as you used to. But however we feel, we don't draw Jesus close to us. We don't work ourselves up into his presence in heaven. Instead, Jesus came down from heaven into our world of suffering and lifted high upon the cross, he draws us to himself. And so if we don't have the strength, that's okay. He has the strength. And he will not let us go. This is the whole point of the hour. This is everything that his life has been leading up to. He came down to earth, died while he was being lifted up, and in so doing, he draws us to himself and makes us his brothers and sisters, children of the one heavenly Father. So in conclusion, I opened by talking of events in life that can change you forever. Some moments and times can come and they transform your life for the better. And then there are some that are unique to you and they change it for the worse. Whatever it is, a time comes for everyone after which life is never the same again. 2,000 years ago, when Jesus entered Jerusalem during the festival of Passover, his time came to be glorified. Unlike us, though, where different events make our lives either better or worse, for Jesus, it all mysteriously is wrapped up into this one event. The hour has come, and he will be glorified, and his glory will be in being betrayed handed over to the authorities, crucified like a slave, and buried like a seed in the ground. But, just like a seed produces much fruit when it is buried, so Jesus' defeat produces a great harvest. Although in this world we often die to ourselves in following him, we really are being raised up to eternal life. Although we imitate a crucified Jew from 2,000 years ago, we will be recognized by the Father for the ages to come. And although our faith is often weak and we struggle along, Jesus draws us to himself and will never let us go. His time has come, and because of that, our lives will never be the same again. Amen. Amen.